Welcome to the Broadcast Nerd Hour. Where everything is 99% nerd and 1% everything else. Good morning, good afternoon, and welcome back to the Broadcast Nerd Hour. My name is Dakota, and I am your host for today's episode. My wife is not with me. She has, is having to hang out with her grandmother today. Uh, she had a fall, so we're just trying to take care of her. So I am taking care of this episode by myself today, and it is going to be about the good and the bad of Kenobi. Everything that Disney did perfect and everything that Disney did really bad on with Kenobi. So if that's going to trigger you, I'm sorry. I've I've actually been excited to do this episode because I love the series, but with every good series, there's always some issues with it. So I'm going to go through my list. Won't be a super long episode, but bear with me because I also am having trouble reading my list because my glasses have broke moments before this this recording. So starting out, just my overall thoughts with the with Disney's Obi Wan Kenobi was it was an it was a great show. Yes, I had my problems and my critiques, and you're going to hear those in a moment. I have save them all for the end, I, and I wrote this show out. There was a lot of things that was answered for me throughout the episodes, and I apologize for some of the stuff that I jumped the gun on, and that's why I ultimately decided that I am going to wait until I can no longer bear it, which is now. I I want to talk and talk my piece on it, and I hope all of y'all can get along with me and get in behind this, because this is going to be a lot of fun. So, In great succession, we're going to start out with the good. What all good did Disney do with it? So, first thing on my list, I've got showing that Kenobi has a job other than watching Luke, which is important. So, one thing a lot of people do have a problem with is Disney disrupting the canon. I'm fine with Disney altering the canon to make work for theirs. So, in previous canon, which is now Legends for this story, Obi-Wan didn't do anything on Tatooine. He, other than watch Luke from afar and make sure that he is safe, protected, and the family's protected. We also get into the adventures of where he comes in contact with Black Crescenton and battles him and trying to protect Owen and Luke at the same time. And he also did a lot of target practice with with the Sand People. So, not saying that the target practice of the Sand People doesn't happen, but we see in this show that Obi-Wan leaves Tatooine, and I'm fine with that. And we see that he has a job. We see that he works, and, you know, he steals meat from them every day for some reason. I don't know if it's to feed his, his, I'm blanking on the name of it now, but his camel that he wanted to buy in real life. So, so, so we have that. So I'm happy I'm happy to know that he just didn't sit there in his cave twiddling his thumbs, not doing anything for the whole ten year duration to this point. So that's that's great. I'm excited to see what's gonna come from this because I'm sure it's in the works that they're wanting to do a season two. I'm fine whether they do or don't do one. I know they're gonna expand a little bit on his story and andor, so that's gonna be good also. So me and Destiny asked a question in the previous episode, and this is my next point, is about the sink in the, which would be the intro where it flashes through all the helmets and droids. 
So the sink is actually the punch out clock in the first episode of Kenobi. In my rewatch, I caught this and I finally caught on to it. But if you stop on the screen for it, it looks like a sink. And it's crazy. It's like, why? But it makes more sense now that it's the punch-out clock droid, which seems like it's just a modified gonk droid because it's also going, you know, it's doing gonk stuff. So, the my next point is I love the intersections of showing how Leia is so much like her mother, Padme, and... She, <laughs> the point that I have wrote down is that she likes to have somebody else dress for her responsibilities because we see that, you know, in Phantom Menace, Padme was in hiding and didn't dress as, as herself. So we see this, and Leia has a friend of hers, or I'm assuming a friend of hers, dress as her to fill her place, which I think is very cute, very fun. So. Going into the, my next point, I think this would be, yeah, this would be the end of episode two. We finally get to see Vader assembled. So I think this is the first time that we've ever seen in live action of Vader being assembled. It's uh, definitely the first time that we've seen seen his mechanical arms without the suit on. So that's awesome. So if you don't know much about Vader, he... Of course, every limb is robotic to some degree. Um, he also has the board on his chest, controls his breathing, controls essentially life functions for him when he's in the suit. And the helmet, he's got, he's got long needles and spikes, everything jabbing all over his body. So he is in constant misery, which by design is how Palpatine wanted it, to keep him locked into the dark side. So with that, him and his back to tank, that's his piece. So any moment he can get out of the suit, he wants to get out of the suit, which is, I can understand that. If you're miserable constantly, you want to get out and be out of the suit. So I think that's cool that we finally got to see the process of him being assembled and it left me with the thought like has nobody ever tried to you know assassinate him while he's in the back to tank because it it looks like it would have to take minimum 30 minutes to get him in the suit and ready to go like no no late night date planning with him like if you know instant planning because he's going to need at least some time to get get dressed everything so so going from there, we get into, uh, we get to see the links. Vader will go solely to intimidate Kenobi. And when he's walking through the streets, he, yes, he feels him at the end of the walk, but he knows he's there. And he is truly walking those streets, dragging those peoples out, snapping necks, solely to, not only to intimidate Kenobi, but also to, because it's one of those, Kenobi's either going to come out and combat him or he's going to run. So, Vader is trying to, he's essentially like, come on, come and get me. You know, I'm here, I'm right here. I came to you. So, <laughs> I love that. So, then we go, right before 
that scene. I, I don't know how I got them out of order. I apologize. Some of mine are going to be out of order. Uh, we do find out that Quinlan Boss at least has been was alive after Order 66. He was alive long enough to inscribe a quote on on the wall in, of the path. So we know Quinlan Boss is alive to some degree. We don't know is he, if he's still currently alive because it didn't tell us in the show, but we're going to get to that in a little bit. So then we go to the end of the episode. That's when we see Vader and Kenobi have their first encounter. And we see that Vader has no interest in Kenobi dying instantly at least he really wants to see him to lose all hope you know pun intended next movie or the next um franchises in line you know yeah you know he wants them to lose all hope so i like that i like that thought we get to see all the fossilized jedi in the next episode and wow so as far as my understanding i don't think any of them but one has been like canonized like this is him and the one that we do know for sure is the uh the older jedi that was the one that went with ahsoka to help her find her sabers her lost saber or her stolen sabers however you want to put it then we go to raven gets completely embarrassed by leia you know leia's sitting there keep keeping her from reading her mind and is you know, it's got to be super frustrating that this this 10-year-old kid is strong enough-minded. I'm not going to say strong enough in the Force because at this point in time, we didn't know Leia was Force-sensitive at all. We, don't, we didn't think she showed for a long time and probably wasn't very strong in it to begin with because of that. But she, we know from, like, Cad Bane and stuff, all it takes is a strong mind. And... The fact that a 10-year-old was strong enough-minded and strong enough-willed to block out an Inquisitor that her special power is reading minds that she poorly uses. But <clears throat> we're going to talk about that later. <laughs> so that kind of wraps that episode up. The next episode, we get pre-Attack of the Clones flashbacks. And yes... Pre-Attack of the Clones, because Vader, or not Vader, <laughs> soon to be Vader, Anakin still has his flesh hand. So, and there's a couple other determining factors there, uh, but the biggest one is that that Anakin still has his hand, and he does not have his scar on his face, which I've, I've heard some critiques about it, because the reason he gets his scar is because Ventress you know, cuts him with the blade, with her lightsaber. And, yes, that happens before Attack of the Clones, but we, well, I don't know if it actually is before Attack of the Clones. I think it it's before Clone Wars. So, I d I'm sorry, I'll, I'll have to clarify more on that. Uh, it's somewhere around that time frame, but I still think that this would be before that because they are trying to project... Anakin as a very young Padawan at this point because seeing how he is in the Clone Wars, I mean, he's a monster in that. I mean, not like how he was coming in Episode 3, but he he's a beast when it comes to Force powers and lightsaber tricks, attacks, everything. I mean, he's, he's top of the game, and he's a 
huge war leader. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with that. So, I think it's still beforehand. I did want to throw a little snippet in here that I, I, I kind of thought through the whole time. So, if you've read the Ahsoka book, I'm not going to give any spoilers or anything. But then you would kind of understand this. But really, the whole galaxy hinges on Bail Organa. Bail's the one who brought Ahsoka back after after everything after she was done with jedi after she after order 66 happened and he brings her in she becomes the first fulcrum agent then bail himself you know kind of pioneers the beginning stages of the rebellion and is hunting for all these other rebels along with Ahsoka, and she's kind of, you know, hunting for other Jedi to help and assist and see who's alive. Now we see in this series that he was also the one that, you know, kind of got Kenobi back in it. Now, not that saying that Kenobi became a rebel at any point, but we see from this that Kenobi would have been just as happy staying on Tatooine and never leaving if it wasn't for Bail and Leia. So, along with that, Bell Organa essentially funds the whole Rebel Alliance. I mean, they get some some snippets here and there, but we find out in in Rebels that it's Bell Organa that's sending ships to the Rebel Alliance. So, it's a cool fact there, cool thing to think about. Maybe we should look into doing a series about Bell and seeing how how deep his roots went into all this. So, Cool fact, cool, cool, fun facts, as Destiny would say. So we get. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say this, and I'm sorry if it hurts anybody's feelings, but Rava gets stabbed again, and I yes, I think she got stabbed twice. I think she got stabbed as a youngling, which she shouldn't live from, but that's fine. Apparently, everybody can live from a, from a stab in the stomach, except for Qui-Gon Jinn. Um, then she gets stabbed again, which, assumingly, is in the same place as she got stabbed last time. That's fine. I'm just, <laughs> you can rationalize it all you want to me. <clears throat> I just know she got stabbed again. I'm just leaving that there, because anything I could say after that would go would need to move that to the bad side of the list but good side of the list she got stabbed again i'm fine with her getting stabbed uh and i'll explain my my problems with that later <laughs> kenobi maliciously takes or maliciously makes rava fight while he and everybody else runs so my my context behind this note is we see a communication between Rava and Kenobi, and he's just talking, and he realizes that she was once a youngling. That's how she knows who Anakin is. So we also, it's like he, I took the impression that he got to her, and she was allowing him to get a head start, essentially, from Vader. Because I don't see any reason why sending Kenobi back in the tunnel with two troopers instead of leaving him out there with 50. So that's my rationality for it. A lot of people were apparently confused on that, uh, whether she 
was just like she was still bad and sent him in because she didn't understand what she wanted to do. But I think she turned a little bit and sent him in. That's how I took it. I'd like to hear Destiny's thoughts on it at one point, but that's just where my thoughts are. So later in that episode, we get a <laughs> a nice butt whooping from Vader to Rayla. I I love that fight scene. To be honest, like that's that's why it's on the the good list. I love seeing how how arrogant Vader still is because that's the part of Anakin's there. Now I spoke in another episode that as a Sith they have this complex where they love it when they get challenged. You know they you know Vader's constantly being challenged by these inquisitors by red randoms force wielders and it's a lot of it's from palpatine palpatine constantly is either looking to make him stronger and better or to replace him you know it palpatine is not going to have a weak apprentice around it's just a sith complex i i don't understand it fully but they they just that's how they want their their ranks working so it was really cool seeing vader be so cocky that he couldn't even bear to bring his own lightsaber out. He had to bully her out of her own lightsaber and then deassembled it and threw her half of it to fight back. So that that made that episode for me. That was so good. That, that it was just really awesome. We uh we get to see force powers like never before in live action in that scene also. Uh, we get to see him, you know, yank the ship back down and ease it to the ground. Super cool. He rips it apart. It just really shows how strong Vader is in this time frame. Even though I think they nerfed him a little bit from how he was in, in Legends around this time. Like, how they presented him is how I envisioned him five years ago. You know, it's been ten years. He's had time to get back used to the suit, you know. And if you think about it like this, like, I know everybody I've talked to about it goes, oh, ten years is not that long of time. And then I go, but think about what you were doing ten years ago and how much things have changed. And, you know, just think about your job if you're even still working the same job or if you even were working 10 years ago in a job. So just think about all that. 10 years is a stretch to say that he is still working on becoming a master again in this stuff. I think five years, that's where I always pictured it was him being at this type of point in five years and then in 10 years him being essentially this madman of power which makes a lot more sense to me but that's fine i'm completely fine that with us getting it the next point will be we get to see that obi-wan is always the master of defense and always knows the best way to escape which i thought that was kind of cool because you think about kenobi is the master of defense he he was kenobi had to work really hard to be a master of anything he was not saying he was a bad at jedi but force powers didn't come naturally to him like they did for anakin uh lightsaber you know him being able to duel and fight very well did not come naturally to him 
being a being a war leader especially so he got really good at being a defensive master because of, of Anakin's you know Anakin's lightsaber form is a very aggressive lightsaber form we get to see that he is always looking for a way to escape and we get to see that in this where they have the backup ship they're ready to take off as soon as Vader rips the one back down and either mutilates the pilot that's in it or the droid whoever was piloting it but they are probably not alive at this point so yeah finally get to see the fight we're begging for I mean that's that's the thing I mean we went into the next episode not knowing how it was going to go we kind of got you know a couple callbacks to the not I, I don't want to say crawl but the uh, just a massive just the thundering size of a star destroyer following chasing a smaller ship that they have completely outgunned and outmastered so kenobi goes to the moon and we get the fight that we have been waiting for four years i mean if I, I i can't even describe it how i want to because it was that good it was that amazing you need to go watch it. We get some of my favorite quotes ever from that. This show has brought me a lot of quotes, but we just get so much. There's, the cinematography is amazing in this in this episode. We get to and we, in this fight, we finally get to see Vader and Kenobi just going full blast at each other. That just like they were on Ustafar. And I do have a funny little snippet to put in here that we, uh, <laughs> that Luke was actually wrong in the sequels, that apparently the Force is just moving a lot of rocks. <laughs> so if you, you know what I'm talking about, you know, but that, I, I got to thinking about that when he said that quote and I actually thought about it before this episode and then we have this episode and it's literally it's like two kids throwing rocks at each other it was I mean they were throwing Vader was throwing boulders but it was very funny I I kind of cracked up a little bit but it still it just made the fight that much better for me because it showed like their friendship and love for each other was still there that they're like whatever I'm throwing rocks at you then we get to see some of that Sith love of some some of the Sith love of them screaming out to the sky Kenobi's name you know we we had Maul and Rebels screaming Kenobi now we have Vader screaming Obi-Wan into the night sky this is I don't know. I mean, why does all these Sith leaders and Sith lords have to have so much problems with Kenobi? Why can't they just leave him alone? Uh, we obviously see that Aunt Beru is <laughs> runs that house. She runs that house, and she also believes in never leaving home without her gun because she had one tucked away everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> and then we get to see... Bell one last time and we get to see a nice goodbye between Kenobi and Leia which was very heartfelt as super nice I enjoyed that part uh it wrapped the show up pretty good so 
I hope everybody agrees with some of my good things. And if you have some other good things that you want to add to the list, shoot me a message. I'd be more than happy to add them to the list and see if you see what you think. And if you have some stuff that we disagree on when we go over the bad list here in just a minute, you know, let's talk about it. Let's go over it and see if you can prove me wrong. I'm always open for for that. So, coming into the bad list here, guys, I want this to be clear that this is no in no way saying that I dislike this show. I love this show. I absolutely did. It, I mean, I, I loved Boba Fett when it came out. It, yes, it had its problems. It had a lot more problems than this show did. But I still love this show. This show has done so much for the canon and built so much that we needed in the canon to elaborate more. I'm super happy with that. I'm fine with that. So here we go. We are going to start with the bad. So the first thing I have to point out, and I hope somebody else has noticed this, between the sequels, between Mando, between just Kenobi, anything live action, what has happened to the soft landings? And what I'm talking about is in the ships, you know, you always saw in the originals and in the prequels, you always see the ships come down and they hover and then they just lightly set down. Well, and I'm exempting Rogue One because Rogue One was better about this, but it seemed like the further we got into the sequels and then Mando can kind of be bad about it, but especially this episode, or this show, every ship that comes down like almost like crash lands. They they come down, hover for a second, and then just slam the ground. And, I mean, Vader set the one ship down softer than half of these ship lands. So that's just I'm leaving that at that. Uh, my next critique is the Grand Inquisitor. The Grand Inquisitor does not act or look like he's supposed to. He's supposed to feel like essentially like Tarkin. He has that mentality. He's just this. He, I, I don't want to say stoic because, in my opinion, uh, oh, uh, the blue guy, I just forgot his name, that's going to be in Soka. I'll, it'll come to me when I don't need it. So, Grand Inquisitor does not act like how he's supposed to. Uh, this kind of takes me to the next point. The Inquisitors in general just sucked. And I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings. But they feel like an afterthought. They feel like they were dumbed down and weakened so Rava would stand out more. And that works for some stuff, but it doesn't work for established characters. And I understand they've never been done in live action, but these characters have been done before. They were a big part of Rebels, and they were amazing in Rebels. And they were not portrayed or given honor like they should have in this. I don't know what the problem was with it, but they they just didn't feel right. I, everything about them felt wrong. So, I don't know. I don't know what to, else to say about that. I hope that doesn't just turn away a lot of people away because that's not me just complaining about it. Everything around this show was amazing. It's just the Inquisitors were so bad. They felt like they had to put them in just to make the story go it may it brings me back to the deadpool stuff when he walks into the bar and it's like hey there's somebody over there you might want to do a talk to him so it moves the plot along 
that that like that's how it feels like that feels like the why the inquisitors existed in this read owen's mind or or the jedi that she that is that gets killed why why give her this power and why give her this power in the force and only have her use it to move the plot along you know that goes back to what i was saying like she just you know she has this power she uses it on Leia or tries to use it on Leia and one other person why why even give her this power this is like the power that would be gold for an inquisitor and it obviously doesn't take that much you know strengthen the force to do it it may take it may determine how much you need to how to pierce but why you're telling me that Owen's strong enough mentally to block you out I don't <laughs> it doesn't it just didn't understand I didn't understand that part and I hope it gets elaborated to me later then oh my gosh and if you have TikTok you you're fixing to know the next my next thing why are the woods so dangerous how why was the trees putting up a better fight than Leia, than the people chasing after Leia were? I've never seen a forest fight back so hard. <laughs> Just, did anybody else have, did anybody else have a problem with that? Just, yeah, just throwing that out there. I do have a little plug I want to put in here, though. So when we go to Kenobi after, in this scene, I know we've essentially started the series back over. Um, in the scene where Kenobi's in the cave and he's talking to the Jawa, he opens a box. And does anybody else think that, that that's a Game Boy in there that's been painted? That's been painted. It's the it's when Bell calls. I'm sorry, I spoke. It's not when the Jawa's in there. It's when Bell calls. Bell calls and he has the hollow phone in there. I'm sure that's the wrong name for it, but I'm just running with it at this point because I can't remember what they're actually called. But it looks like a Game Boy in there that somebody just painted. I thought that was cool. I hope somebody can elaborate on that because I would like to know if that was actually was a Game Boy in there because I had one of those Game Boys. Just you know, I thought it was cool. So going back to an earlier point, we find out that Quinlan Boss is alive. Why do they not give him to us? Why name drop him if you're not gonna say? That's literally like. In in the Bad Batch, in the episode where we see Rex, if he went, yeah, I just dropped Ahsoka off at the next planet over and then didn't show her. So, like, why tell us, you know, I, even that would make more sense in the Bad Batch because then we would understand where we're at timeline-wise, even though we already knew that. But this gave us nothing other than the fact that he may still be alive, but he was at least alive long enough to save a few people. No, like, why didn't you, why didn't you just show us to him? Yeah, <laughs> just tell us why tell us he's here if you're not going to show him to us. Just why? <laughs> so we're we're at the Inquisitorius now, and. Why did nobody think to stop the guy with a child under his jacket? Not only was he a guy that with a beard when none of the other 
Empire, you know, generals and stuff have beards. But anyways, they may have thought he was a janitor or something. I don't know. Not saying janitor, you have a, because you have a beard, you're a janitor. But, I mean, these are all clean-shaven people. And then you have a guy with a beard wearing a jacket from an officer. And he's got four legs walking underneath. And nobody went, hey, there may be something wrong with... I mean, he just like Inspector Inspector Gadgeted them out. Like, I just don't understand. And on top of that, like, does anybody else feel like they introduced this officer outfit just solely he could walk Leia out under a jacket? I, like, this is the first time we've ever seen this outfit, and they canonized it, and now we we see them use it to sneak a little girl out. I mean, does it have invisibility powers? I don't know. Like, why? What, what are you doing? Anyways, <laughs> uh, in that scene, you know, they don't... In the escape portion of it, I'll just say that. In the escape portion of it. Why didn't they use any TIE fighters? Why when when they were scrambling people? I know they were trying to find Kenobi on the base. But did they not think that, hey, he probably will try to escape. Maybe we should have a couple TIE fighters ready waiting. Nobody thought to send a TIE fighter out. Nobody thought to send a TIE fighter after him. I understand it needed to move the plot forward, but it seemed very lazy on the Inquisitors and the Empire's part. So, just throwing that out there. Uh, We see Vader, as (laughs) Destiny says, uh, fast walks into the room and chokes Rava. You know, that I should have put that on the good list because I was completely fine with that happening. Um... But the reason it's on the bad list is because he calmed down way too easy. He, I mean, I understand we find out later that he was playing her the whole time, but then why even say anything to her? You know, if you already knew that she put her tracker on and was playing, I just, I don't understand. Vader, <laughs> I understand that he didn't have to, He he wouldn't have killed her in that point in time because he needed her to for the tracker but Kylo Ren got his rage from somebody and this guy has no problem with murdering stormtroopers by by the hundreds and doesn't care so you're telling me he just acted like that and didn't take any anger out on anybody and just calm down I'd find it unlikely but maybe he's been doing some therapy maybe he's he's all chilled out now maybe He's been taking too many back to baths. I don't know. So, so nobody on the base wanted to stop Leia from going into the vents in electrical work. So this is when they're on the, I'm gonna call it pre rebel base. They're they're essentially it's like a trans transit. They're on a a trash planet. They're trying to get and get the ship going and get off. So no, you're telling me nobody knows how to get up in the vents and do electrical work other than a 10-year-old. And I want to know what school Bail Organa is sending his daughter to that she knows how to do electrical work because that's pretty handy for a 10-year-old to know because I'm 26 and 
electricity scares me to death. And I'm a welder. I don't, I mean, I'll work with electricity, but it like, it, I got all 10 fingers and toes. I'm not a carpenter or electrician. So I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> I'm sorry if I've just made any carpenters or electricians that listen to us mad, but you think about your people you work with and how many people have all 10 fingers and toes. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to point out another thing too, and I'm fine with this. I'm fine. No, I'm not. I'm not. Even, I'm tired of lying to you on this part. Why does Kenobi keep pawning Leia off on the fake Jedi? Why? Why is he pawning her off to start with? I understand he's trying to do other stuff, but one, he shouldn't have saved her three times, but now he's having to pawn her off so he can go sacrifice himself. Why? <laughs> Just quit. Make her go sit in the ship and wait till she can go home. That's all that has to be done at this point. <laughs> and, like, we couldn't have, we couldn't, have, with all of Bell's money, we couldn't have hired a a, a crew or somebody to meet Kenobi at one point to get Leia or just at any point. I just don't understand. I don't understand. I understand that's a very small thing. It just, it, I felt like, like, out of the six episodes, I know of three instances that he tried to pawn Leia off on somebody. And I know two of them was on this the fake Jedi. So, just, uh, uh, let's leave her with a thief. You know, that's stealing money from people that he was lying to. And then why does Rava keep surviving? I talked about it earlier about her getting stabbed again. I, I mean, I can understand her get surviving at this age because we've seen numerous people get survive, survive except for Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon couldn't survive it, but everybody else did. But you're telling me as a youngling, a small young girl, I don't know how old she was, but she got stabbed by a lightsaber and nothing changed unless she, you know, got electrical components put in, you know, fake stomach or something. I just, I need more elaboration on that. So until, for right now, it's staying on the bad list until I get more elaboration on why she got stabbed as a youngling and how she lived. Or I know why she got stabbed as a youngling, but why she lived. And, I mean, I'm sure the answer is because it moved the plot along. But I don't like that answer. So... <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I should have done the bad ones first, so that way y'all would have thought I liked the show more by the end of this episode. But at least if you if you have a problem with this, then listen to the bad, and then go back and listen to the first thirty minutes, and you'll hear all the good stuff. Then, <laughs> so I another complaint I have: what's with all the unearned deaths? And let me elaborate on that. I'm not saying they did. They had no right to die. I'm saying that we didn't know enough about them yet to die. We <laughs> just Tala. We had the loader droid. 
Wade, R.P. Wade, like, we we dedicated five minutes of mourning to Wade, and he had one line. Tala, we didn't even get that from Tala. We had a suicide mission from Tala. I just, so I'm, I'm just, we had no time to get attached to these characters, and really to be sad about it. I, I felt nothing when Tala died, and... That's unfair because I was tearing up in the last episode from the goodbye between Leia and Kenobi. I'm I'm an emotional watcher, so in my opinion, if a show can make me like get in my emotions and tear up, whether it's tears of sadness, tears of joy, then that show did good. Season finale of Mando brought tear to my eye and that was an amazing finale. So I just it it took away that I couldn't enjoy I or no, I say not enjoy. I couldn't feel anything remorse, sadness, anything when Tala died. Or the loader droid. I mean the loader droid was more that was more heart wrenching than her. I mean he sacrificed himself to protect her for just a little bit longer. And th- so I'm just gonna leave that there. I have a complaint about Belle. Belle leaves the most uncryptic messages in the history of messages. <laughs> Why don't you just tell the whole world everything then, Belle? There was nothing hidden about <laughs> the message that Rava sees and how she finds out that Luke is Vader's son. Well, she doesn't directly find out that, but he gives her enough information she can figure it out. I mean, he says he cannot find out about the children. So I am going to point out another critique about that. So Bale knew that Anakin is Vader and Vader is alive. He never thought to tell his friend Kenobi this. Because we're led on that Kenobi just finds out in this series that Anakin's still alive. Because if that's not true, if if Kenobi did know because that he was alive this whole time, then that take that ruins that scene for me. That makes that scene pointless. But I just it's they need to get on the same page with that because I don't want them to ruin that scene because that was a a really amazing scene that that we see where Kenobi finally finds out that Anakin's alive and he is Vader. Or he already knew he's Vader, but he found out he's alive. And and Bell just knew this whole time. I just I don't mm, mm. and and it could be just as simple as that Kenobi has phoned him and told him this already, but this seems like a big problem to tell and if there's just so many problems with it that I, I I could do a whole episode on that problem, so I'm just gonna leave it. I'm gonna leave it here. Uh, <laughs> where was I? Uh, Raven hunted Luke down and chased him. I mean, th- although not a major breach in canon, I find it weird a ten year old can't remember these events sixteen years later. Yeah, I I remember that. Yeah, so. 
he did. I don't think he saw the lightsaber because when she came into the room with the lightsaber on, he was already going up the stairs. He probably saw the saw the glow from it. I. She didn't have any imperial markings or anything on it. It just is weird that nobody ever discussed this, and he and the New Hope was talking about joining the Imperial Academy. So that's it's just weird. That it's weird, it's weird placement. I don't think they should have done that, that piece there. I I just don't. I think it, it treads so tightly, to previous canon that's already existed because of the original trilogy, to them trying to corrupt and redo for their own canon. And that's just too close for me. That that treads a little too close for me. But that's how they want to do it. The whole canon of New Hope with Leia is held on strings that Leia keep, keeps her promise also. Her promise to Kenobi of never telling anybody about him. So, yeah, that's that's came in more and more. I've, as I've read about this kind of stuff, and we, you see different things in New Hope that would insinuate that, yeah, she does care about him, or know of him, cares about him, stuff like that. The scene where he dies, or he transcends his life, his life force, it is a little weird that we get this, this huge reaction from Luke, but Leia doesn't do anything. I understand that this that the original trilogy was made years and years and years before this was. I do think they could have probably done a couple of things different, but that's fine. I I'm more fine with that than I am with the Luke stuff personally. I think they should have left Luke alone in this. They could have touched Leia because there is a lot of stuff with Leia that could change and has changed. There's a lot of life with Leia that we have no idea about that's not based in comics. There's, there's no written history on it. So, yeah. Um, and uh, the last, not the least, on the bad, Rava didn't offer herself <laughs> and missed her perfect opportunity. God, that sounds so bad. I am so sorry, everybody. I didn't mean that to sound so morbid, but there, that scene when she's talking to Kenobi, she's looking at her lightsaber, and I cannot be the only one that was hoping that she would just turn the emitter on and just just stab herself in the chest. I, or Kenobi for that fact, because she knows too much. Kenobi kills Maul. I mean, Kenobi would have killed Maul anyways. But in Rebels, Kenobi tells Maul vaguely. Doesn't even tell him exactly, but vaguely tells him about about Luke. But without telling him. You know, you have to just go watch it to understand how I'm putting it. But Raven knows. And she's going to walk away from this knowing that Luke is the son of of Darth Vader. And Leia is the daughter 
of Darth Vader. And she has to die. She, as Mace Window would put it, she is too dangerous to be left alive at this point. It, she stands to... She stands to ruin so much just because she knows. And I don't I don't like that. I don't like that you're dancing to I was so happy that the show exists, but there was things that didn't have to the best parts of this show didn't even come close to canon. You know, affecting pre existing canon. The the biggest thing that they did was the final fight between Vader and Kenobi that, and it did all it did was confirm canon. It didn't alter canon. This kind of stuff alters canon, and yes, it doesn't directly alter it now. But you're telling me this person that has only been on the light side for five minutes at most, she, and she now knows. I just, I don't believe it. So, I hope everybody is enjoying this. I hate, I should (laughs) have, I apologize. I should have done the bad first and then done all the good last. Because it is, I don't want anybody to think that I didn't like the show. I love the show and there was so much to take away from the show in a positive light. But there was bad things, just like there is with everything. You know, unless it's the the writing and directors and stuff of Stranger Things, because they do a phenomenal job and somehow don't <laughs> and don't have errors. But they just every series has problems. Every series has good things and bad things about it. And unfortunately, this series did have bad things and things that a lot of big fans are going to have problems with. Not That's not saying that that's taking away from the shows, the movies, anything like that. But at the end of the day, we are fans. And there is multiple generations of fans that watch this. So I would love to hear everybody's good and bad of their own. If you want to send them in, I would love to read them. And if we get enough of them in, I would love to do an addition to this episode where we go back over some more of it. So I hope everybody had a blast. I know this is a long episode. I try to keep it a little bit shorter. But it is just me this time. And I'm sorry for any awkward pauses or anything like that because it is me by myself. So next episode, we will have Destiny back. And I can't wait because it is a little lonely in this little room back here. So so I hope everybody has an awesome week and can't wait to see y'all again. Bye.